Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. This show is brought to you by Navman. Now, I have been doing some research lately, and one of the things that I did find, and I'm really loving that Navman has added this into their navigation units, is here four-wheel drive off-road maps. And what that means is anywhere in Australia that you decide to go, if you're taking the beaten track, navigation is actually probably more important here than actually when you're driving on proper roads. Think about the deserts that you're driving through. Maybe you're going to Fraser Island. Maybe you're going through South Australia in the Simpson Desert. I mean, some amazing places that you could be going off the road. Um, Navman actually has all of this mapping data ready to go. So if you have a Navman unit, you can go to their website and download them. Depending on the unit, you may actually already have them preloaded. So if you've got a four-wheel drive, go and experience it. Go and see this amazing country that we do live in. And I just love that we've now taken navigation away from the usual tarmac and now onto the sand, and who knows where those roads could take you. So I'm noticing 8,000 points of interest as part of this off-road mapping system. So it tells you exactly where to pull over, where the good views are, where the safe spots are, maybe where you could be camping for the evening and things like that. So do check it out. Head to navman.com.au. And if you've got a four-wheel drive and a navman, you can now go off-road and know where you're going. Now, tonight I am drinking something quite unique and extremely different. Now, you may have already heard of this, you may not have. Think about a brunch situation or an afternoon tea. Do you want a cup of tea or do you want a glass of wine? What if they put the two together? Now, what I'm trying here is an unoaked Chardonnay, which is a white wine, with chamomile infusion. So they've taken chamomile tea, Chardonnay and mishmashed it together and they've produced this bottle of wine. It is alcoholic, so I guess it's not a traditional tea per se. However, it's that sneaky thing where you're now blending the two. It's that whole Taco Bell thing or whatever it was where it's why not both? So it's a nice bottle. It's interesting. It's 20 bucks. I think if you love chamomile tea, you're going to particularly like this because I, I'm a big Chardonnay fan and I personally think that the chamomile part is pulling it down. I'm not loving the Chardonnay as much because of the tea influence. However, if I was a chamomile guy, then maybe it would be much more enjoyable. I don't know. It's controversial. I've also got a Cabernet Sauvignon, which is infused with some other tea as well, which I will try at some point down the track. However, if you love your tea, you love your wine, this you could find in Dan Murphy's anywhere else, 20 bucks, tea and wine it's called. It's a uh, it's a fascinating one, and it's going to be swirling around my mouth for the rest of the show. Now, I had, did tell you last episode that I met with Huawei and we had some conversations about products. And one of the products that I did start testing from that day onwards was the Huawei FreeBuds 3. Now, if you don't know what the FreeBuds 3 are, imagine a pair of Apple AirPods with a Huawei logo. So they are very much a very good uh, design imitation of the Apple AirPods. They look very similar when they're, they're in the ear and they're not like the AirPods Pro, they're more like the traditional AirPods, which has the longer stem. Now, they gave these to me to try. Uh, I chose the black ones because I'll be honest, guys, I've always wanted a pair of black AirPods because I think the white ones just stand out a bit too much. I think black would look really cool. Huawei's now gone and done it. So they've really designed and painted the product that I've wanted. Uh, 300 bucks. So 300 bucks puts them in a really good price point. However, I mentioned the AirPods Pro earlier because 
This pair of FreeBuds 3 also has noise cancellation, just like the AirPods Pro. So you start to realize here that these guys are actually competing in the higher end uh, in terms of Apple's AirPods range. So I started wearing them around and I had to understand, were they as good or better or worse than the Apple uh, AirPods? Now, what I can tell you is this, they're not. Uh, they are they are definitely not. Now, there's a couple of reasons for, for me to say this, and I never want to bag a product particularly. I actually want to just inform you if you're looking at investing some money here. Now, the for me, the current Apple AirPods, um, even if you exclude the pros, they fit quite well in my ear. Um, I could probably even run in them if I really wanted to. I'd be a bit nervous, but I could probably run in them and not be too concerned that they're about to fall out. They, they For my, my ears... They have a pretty good fit. the The FreeBuds three for me are way too loose. Now I I'm not uh, a very small person, so I don't think my ear holes or my ear, which it sits in, uh, is terribly small. However, I'm telling you that for me these are these are loose. So you would need to have you know smaller ears than mine for me for these to work. So maybe if you've tried the AirPods and you found them too big. Is that the right answer? Too big or too small? You know what I'm saying. These are too small for me. The AirPods are okay. So I would need to have smaller ears to make these a tight fit. Yes. So if you've ever found that the AirPods are too hard to get into your ears, then maybe the FreeBuds 3 will fit into your ears better. Okay. I think I've established the ear situation. That's the first thing is fit because if they don't fit well, they're not going to sound good and you're not going to feel confident walking around and using these, these particular buds. The other thing that they talk about, obviously, is noise cancellation. Um, the Apple AirPods have a more of a silicon, um, whatever you want to call it, cup that sits on the end of the of their pods that go into your ear, and it does create a bit of a seal, but the, it does allow some air to pass through, so you don't have that um, that hollow sound in your head. But these ones, because they look so much like traditional AirPods, they don't have a a proper seal. How do you do noise cancellation without a proper seal? And for me, this is where I found that the noise cancellation barely worked. I could tell when it was turned on, but really, the benefit was minimal, really, really minimal. And um, it's not something I would have actually even put on the box. Maybe would have just said that it does some sort of noise lowering or something like that. But it, honestly, it's, it's a terrible example of noise cancellation. It's to me, I, I just feel like they should have left it out. And it could be because it doesn't fit properly in my ears. I'd love to hear from anyone who has tried these and found that they had a good fit and found that they did uh, provide good noise cancellation. For me, definitely not the case. The other thing which I love, um, it does come in a small case, very similar to the AirPods case. However, this one is round. It also does wireless recharging as well. So if you do have a wireless charger, you place these these free buds onto the mat and they'll recharge. So for me, there's some great steps that are going on here. It's got USB-C for charging the case if you don't have a wireless charger. However, at 300 bucks, it's available in two places, no, not JB Hi-Fi, not Harvey Norman, not anywhere like that, um, Amazon and I think Mobile City or something. Both of these places are offering a free wireless charger with the purchase of the FreeBuds 3. So for 300 bucks, you're going to get the wireless charger and the FreeBuds 3. So honestly, I wish it was easier for people to try these in a store. Obviously, you can't. You can't give these to people in a store to try on. If they don't work, you put them back because they go inside your ear, the hygiene problem there, right? So I'm disappointed that my ear is not a universal ear that can actually tell you whether that you should buy them or not. 
if I, I should almost measure my ear and put these things up online so that if you've got a smaller ear, then they may work for you. Um, and look, you know what? The fact that we have to go into this type of detail probably just says you should avoid them. If you've got an iPhone, get the AirPods. If you can't afford the AirPods Pro, don't worry about it. Just get the AirPods. They're fine. If you have 300 bucks to spend, shop around the Sony noise cancelling ones that I have compared against the AirPods Pro before. They are still very good. They do hold into the ear. The noise cancellation does work. They are a different style buds. However, I just cannot, in my experience, recommend the FreeBuds 3 to somebody based on what I've experienced. Um, if there's somebody who has tried them, which has had a good fit and things like that, maybe their experience will be different. But for me, at $300, I'm shopping around still. So check them out. I love that they're in black. I want Apple to do this. They look so damn sexy. Uh, but when they're so loose that they're almost bouncing out of my ear, that look will die very quick. So that's the FreeBuds 3 from Huawei, 300 bucks. Do check them out and uh, and ask ask friends if you see them. How do they fit? Can I try them on? A bit of a wipe and then put them in my ear hole. See what works. All right. Now, this little story gave me a bit of a laugh this week. Now, we all know that the Olympics are on next year. We're off to Tokyo, except Russia. They got kicked out already. But we're going to Tokyo to watch the Olympics. Now, for those who can't make it, you can actually stream it. You can actually watch it on television. Channel 7 has the agreement. However, Channel 7 has also made an agreement with Optus. Now, Optus is going to be offering it to people in 4K. Now, this is fantastic. I love sport in 4K. You do get an extra level of detail. I think it's amazing. I don't know if I really care about 4K so much when I'm watching the swimming, but say, for example, any track and field sports, it will look superb in 4K. So how do you get to watch the Olympics in 4K, you ask? Well, Optus has put together a very niche way that you'll be able to access it. So first of all, um, pull out your checklist here. To watch 4K content, my recommendation, have a 4K TV. Tick, you're with me so far, you've got a 4K television. Excellent. Do you have the internet? Yes. Excellent. Half a tick. I'll tell you why. Because to do the Olympics 4K stream, you will actually need to be a Optus 5G home broadband customer. They only just launched the Optus 5G network and this particular rollout. It is sitting in barely enough residential areas to make this a good idea. However, they've restricted that you have to have the Optus 5G home broadband plan. I don't know how many people that is right now, but I can count them on one hand of those who I know that have signed up to it. And then even if you've got Optus 5G in your home, you also need to be a Fetch Mighty subscriber, which means you need to have the Fetch Mighty box and be a subscriber to Optus Sport. So you've got some monthly fees there. You've got a monthly spend that you've already got with Optus for your home internet. And then you will be eligible to watch the Tokyo Olympic Games in 4K. To me, this is absolutely madness. I think that the reason they've done this is because of the massive mess that they made when it came to the FIFA World Cup. For those who do remember, uh, Optus had the exclusive rights to stream the majority of the games. And when people signed up to Optus Sport and the first game came to Australia, uh, we all bombarded their system and we destroyed it. People could not watch the games. They would watch them on delay. Eventually, Optus threw their hands in the air and gave up. SBS took a bunch of the games back. That was what we had to do because Optus failed so miserably. So I think in this case, Optus is controlling the demand that will come to their service by making it so damn niche 
that they will know a specific number of those who could actually make use of the service, not just those who are signing up on the day through an Apple TV or through their computers to watch the game. They're making it a very controlled situation and also a very controlled rollout because even if one day before the Olympics, you go and get a 5G modem, then you need to go and get a Fetch Mighty Box and all these sort of things. You've actually got time that you're giving Optus to prepare for that extra customer that's coming. So this is absolutely stupid. I cannot believe that this is the case or that it's even allowed. It's unfair that coverage like this is being sold to a company who is going to treat it with such disrespect. It means that Australians cannot actually watch the good quality content, the 4K content that we actually all should be able to watch because they're literally monopolizing it to such a small niche that only few will actually enjoy it. I think it's extremely sad. And it's especially sad because we know that the 4K Olympics is actually going to be filmed or recorded and broadcast in Tokyo in 8K, meaning the detail is a whole other level above what we'd actually even see in Australia through the huge Optus schmozzle that they've got. So I think it's just hilarious. I can't believe that they're doing it. I'm hoping that as time goes on, before the Olympics actually start, there'll be some other options available. But as it stands today, if you want Optus, sorry, if you want to watch the Olympics in 4K, get onto Optus and have a very long chat about all the things you're going to need to sign up for before you can have it. And let's hope you live in a 5G area. It's just honestly unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, it made me really laugh when I read this announcement from Optus. Now, last week I also mentioned I was trying out the Huawei GT2 smartwatch. And honestly, it is an extremely elegant watch. I've I've really enjoyed wearing it over the last week and actually being seen with it. It's a classy looking watch. It's round. It looks like a traditional watch. It's got a brown leather band. It's lovely. It's quite lovely. I do get my notifications on it. This is connected to an iPhone at the moment. I get all my notifications on there, whether it's a phone call, a message, whatever it is, it all appears on here. You can't exactly action or do much with those notifications, which is something you would have to have an Apple Watch for. However, it's just nice to know that it does work within that ecosystem. The thing that I'll say, though, and one thing that I do use smartwatches a lot with is activities, you know, activity tracking, whether it's working out at the gym, uh, walking, whatever the case may be. Now, in using the Huawei GT2, uh, I'm finding it really missing things. It seems that I can go to the gym, I can work out for an hour, it will acknowledge the time that I've spent during my workout that I've fired off because I will start and stop my workout. So it will, it will know that, but it honestly thinks I've done nothing. And as when I say nothing, as in 20% of what would normally be recorded on an Apple Watch or on a Fitbit that I've tested um, or any other smartwatch that I've tested, it really gets around 20%. And for me, that's really strange. If I'm thinking about calorie burn or whatever the case is, I find it very strange how poorly Huawei is, is acknowledging that. I don't know what it is that's, that's really broken on this, but it's not doing workouts very well. So straight up, if you're thinking about using a smartwatch for workouts or, or exercise, I don't think this is the watch for you. Beyond that, it is a nice device. It does have the core functions that you would expect out of a smartwatch, but because it isn't as integrated with the iOS system that the Apple Watch is, it's hard for me to tell you to go and spend the money on this device compared to even getting the Series 3 uh, Apple Watch because when you look at it dollar for dollar at that point, yes, it may not look as good. Um, sorry, the, maybe the Apple Watch doesn't look as good as the Huawei one, 
but honestly the functionality is going to be so much greater and not just from workouts but you know responding to messages um, finding your phone vice versa I think there is so much that the Apple Watch is doing that the Huawei watch cannot do and beyond just being a good looking smartwatch it's not really enough what I will say though and this is so kind of it's kind of strange actually is that the Huawei watch the just GT2 has battery life well above what I've seen from almost any smartwatch ever. So I used to say that the Fitbit was amazing because it outlasted the Apple Watch from you know four days compared to say one and a half days on the Apple Watch. Uh, I'm I haven't charged this once since the first charge. So at, it's been over at least a week, and I'm looking at it right now. And I've actually got 35% left. So I would say I'm going to get around nine maybe maybe 10 I lose about 10% per day that's really impressive uh, this is something that does sleep tracking it's something that does all the monitoring maybe not does it all very well from an activity point of view but it's on it's not an always on display uh, I do have to flick the wrist to actually get the time to show however a week minimum battery life is a really nice thing to see on a smartwatch so I think that Huawei is going down the right path looks good Great battery life. The screen is is very visible in bright sunlight and things like that. No problem there. The touch screen works very well. It looks fantastic, and people have commented on it how good it looks. But it needs to really tick some of the other boxes. And honestly, step counting, for example, core function. This is not a, a thing that you're allowed to get away with. This isn't breaking new ground. It needs to be good out of the box, and it's not. So maybe they can fix it with firmware updates. But as it stands today, uh, this is not a very good smartwatch. It's a very nice-looking smartwatch, and that's one thing. It needs to be a bit more than that. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, what I said about the Freebuds being a very good-looking pair of um, you know AirPods imitation, uh, but not very good at actually performing. Gosh, it feels like we're hitting the same chord again. And I don't want that to be the case because I thought that Huawei would be lucky here when it comes to accessories. They've got dramas in the smartphone space. We all know about that. I thought that now would be a golden moment for their hardware in, in watches and in audio to, to lift their sales a little bit. But that's not going to be the case based on my experience. So maybe workouts aren't important to you. But even still, even if you care about the notifications that you're receiving or the integration between the device and your phone. I don't think Huawei's got that better down for you at this stage. So a nice device. I appreciate the battery life. I appreciate the fact that it works. I haven't had to really take it off um, if I didn't want to. So a nice device, but man, just needs some work still. I'll let you know if updates come through for it. I'll, I'll more than happily talk about this again if there's a firmware update, which does fix some of these spaces. So stay tuned. Uh, that's the Huawei GT2. This is the classic because it does have the brown leather band, but in the box is also a silicon, more rubberized one that you could take to the gym as well. Um, you know, check it out. Let me know what you think if you do have one. I'm very curious to hear other people's opinions. But as it stands today, guys, on to the next one. Not for you. Now, seriously, every week, what's with Apple doing a product announcement? Every single week. I don't know what's going on here, but. This week, we heard from Apple about their Mac Pro desktop computer. Now, we've seen images of this before. We were we heard about this when it was announced, but now it's on sale, guys. You can go rush out and buy one if you can afford it. Now, the reason I say that is because you can actually customize this Mac Pro to cost you $73,000 Australian. 
So if you really go onto the Apple website and add all that you can to the shopping cart, 73 grand would buy you a Mac Pro desktop computer. Obviously, it starts at a much lower price, but fully loaded, I think it's incredible that it can do that. Now, one of the things that they've decided to add as an option, and it is an option, is, is caster wheels that go underneath the desktop so you can move, move it around because, you know, you're always doing that. I mean, how often are you sitting at home thinking, oh man, I just need to move my desktop from one desk to the other because I want to sit by the window today and I wish I had my desktop with me. So let's wheel it across because I can't possibly lift it anymore. So they've decided to add wheels if you want to have wheels on the base of this device. They look like typical wheels to me, but I'm sure that they've been Appleized. And in that case, if you want the wheels, it's going to cost you 587 Australian dollars for wheels, wheels that go underneath it and help you move the desktop around. I, you could buy a really nice desktop chair and just put the computer on the chair and slide it around as much as you liked. Uh, I think it's amazing. I think that Apple is is very cool by allowing you to go this extreme. These computers from the early outset, we all knew that they weren't for typical mum and dads, myself even, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, very good chance you're not the customer that Mac is or that Apple is looking at for the Mac Pro. This is for somebody who is maybe producing films, doing crazy movie editing, like seriously high-end stuff. Maybe you're making a National Geographic film, for example. That's the kind of person that they're looking to sell this to. Basically, selling it to a company, not a person who's taking their credit card out of their pocket to pay for it. This is something that is being bought by a business that turns over millions of dollars, and it would be a splash in the pond to spend this kind of cash. But still, imagine 73 grand on a computer. I mean, it must be insane. It looks like a cheese grater. I don't know if you've seen pictures of it, but um, from the front, the front grill, it looks like one of those stand-up cheese graters that you literally just grate from the front and just got the other different grating holes around the side. It looks it looks like one of them. It's pretty funny. Um, they've also announced a monitor as well. That's about $5,000 US dollars. They've got a whole bunch of stuff going on around this. It's, it's probably insane, and I, I bet it's very good. But man, it's just hilarious to price these things up and see what it's like, especially when you realize some stupid stuff like wheels cost 500 bucks. And I just think, I don't even know who's buying wheels for a desktop. It's just so strange to me. I, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But anyway, if you're interested in it, uh, Apple, again, I don't know what they're going to announce next week. They're going to run out of stuff, but um, that's what it is. That's what it is this week. Some wheels and a, and a desktop that you can stick to them. We've spoken before on the show around, you know, the tile or products that help you find things, you know, attaching a tile to your keys, very simple way of then finding them or finding your phone, those types of gadgets. Now, Telstra has been playing in this area as well with their locator products. Now, their locator products, very similar to tile, to be honest, in terms of, you know, Bluetooth tracking, um, also doing the community uh, location services if you do lose them and things like that. So, you know, Telstra has this alternative. What they've added to their product line, though, and it's really it's really exciting because I think this is where they should have started in the first place, is a tag that is a bit more rugged. It's a little bit bigger. Uh, it is something that would probably be mounted onto a car or a utility box or something like that, uh, which actually connects to the Telstra network. Now, 
is the LTE network, meaning it's going to cover a pretty high majority of Australia in terms of coverage. So if you do lose this, it's not going to be something that you'll send a, a message out hoping that someone stumbles across it or that you'll come within range of this again while it still has that feature. Uh, what it will actually do, though, is it will allow you to really live track something Maybe you're sending a box from Sydney to Melbourne on a courier truck. You'd actually be able to watch it live, take that whole journey. And at any point, provided there is Telstra coverage, which let's face it, is in a good amount of places, you'd be able to track it. And I think this is very smart. Depending on what you're sending, what you're moving around, this could really save the day in that you've now got a very small device that would almost be like putting an iPhone inside the box and just tracking it live with a shared location service. So it's really cool. They, they do what Telstra do is they don't really care about this whole outright purchase like Tile do. And then you're kind of with them until the battery runs out. What Telstra decides to do is you, you get the device and then you've also got on top of that a subscription. Now with this one, it really makes sense because you've actually got effectively a Telstra service running, um, almost like having a SIM card inside this device that's running and it needs to be you know, paid for, I guess. Uh, but they also have this service fee for their Bluetooth trackers as well. And I think that's a little bit unfair because you know what? It's just a device, dude. I bought the device. It's got Bluetooth. When I talked from my phone to the actual tag on my keys, that doesn't cost Telstra anything to do. So why am I paying you that fee? Um, I think Telstra fails in that compared to Tile. I think if you care about your keys, that's what you want to track or your TV remote or, you know, simple things, then I think Tile's going to win. But if you've got something sensitive that you're carting around or that you really always need to know the location of, it's called the Cat M1 tag. Now, I love that they don't give a consumer-friendly name to it. I guess that's because it's not for everyday consumers. This is a bit more of an industry-type product. But honestly, have a think about it, guys. Maybe you're a courier. Maybe you send things on couriers often and you want to know when it's traveled from A to B. Maybe you run a business where you do send goods. Imagine attaching one of these to every box that goes out and obviously hopefully comes back uh, because you would actually be able to track door-to-door where the product is. And I think it's just a really cool thing. So it's the Telstra Cat M1 tag. Um, I've got one. I've actually got a whole bunch of these find me type products. Um, about to do a TV segment with Studio 10. So that's why I'm starting to get my head around all of these. We spoke last week about the dog tracker. Tile has got a beautiful range of products, whether it's for your wallet, keys, everything else. Um, I've got a watch that's for kids. We've spoken about that before, the TCL move time. Uh, there are so many things. And even it's even amazing. And I'm sorry to deviate away from Telstra, but uh, Tile technology is now being put into Bose headphones, Sennheiser. It's being put into uh, wallets. It's being put into backpacks, which basically means that as long as there is a battery behind it, uh, it can also work on the Tile network. And I've recently added a pair of Sennheiser headphones to my Tile network. And that means that if I leave a pair of headphones on a flight, I can mark it as lost. Bang, the Tile community can go out and find it. Or if it's within reach or within Bluetooth range, um, I can actually make my headphones ring. And that's a huge advantage as well. So, you know, we, we, we are getting into a great space when it comes to these Find Me type devices. Uh, it's great to see all the different options that we've now got. And, you know, the excuse of losing something, it's kind of disappearing. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you would have actually already seen what I'm about to talk about. And it, this is a, a report that was released from Telstra. And I, I know we've already talked about Telstra, but doing it again. And there's a, there's a company that's come out with a report which has done a comprehensive assessment of Australia's mobile networks. Now, we're talking really here about Telstra, Optus and Vodafone. Now, the report is really interesting because it shows Telstra as the number one 
when it comes to voice, data, and coverage. Now, when I look at the report, though, beyond the press release and actually look into the detail of the company which did that, and just for context, the company is U-M-L-A-U-T. I'm going to say it Umlaut. I don't know. It sounds like it's German. Now, this particular company has really done some serious work in terms of going all around Australia, really testing this on different devices, uh, really going through the whole ring. Now, when you break down the coverage the data and the voice. Let me give you some of the numbers here because yes, Telstra won those categories, but let's look at the numbers. Now, crowd, we're talking about 189 versus 186 for second versus 174 for third. These are scores. The gap between first and second is three points. That's not a lot out of a possible 200. Data, out of a possible 480 points, Telstra scored 407. The operator number two scored 407 as well. That's interesting. That to me is a tie for equal first. Operator three scored 345. When it comes to voice, out of a possible, what is that number? One second. Out of a possible 320, Telstra scored 275. Operator two scored 270. Operator three scored 257. Now, you're already probably wondering, hey, hey, what the hell is operator two and operator three? You're only saying Telstra. Why is that? Great question. Tell me why this independent body has only listed Telstra and not the other two networks. To me, that's a little bit strange. Now, when I look into this report a bit deeper and I go into those three categories that we just spoke about, let's jump back to voice because we scored we scored here almost five, only five points difference between first and second. However, when you look at the person who came second, whichever operator you think that might be at this point, in some areas, such as drive testing through the cities, walk testing through the common cities, um, operator two actually beat Telstra. That's an interesting point there. So there were areas where actually operator two outclassed Telstra on the voice section. And even though they lost by five points when it came to um, country roads, they actually did much better in the cities, which is probably where a lot of people spend most of their time. So really interesting there, and I thought that was worth mentioning. The other thing, though, is they then split out the coverage. Now, coverage is where they actually do give away some of this data, and it actually is more around the crowdsourcing of data. So when they start to look at dropouts, service availability to the real people out there, you and I, now this is where we actually see a first, second, and third. And that's where they finally mention Optus and Vodafone. Now, when you look at this, Optus comes in second place. Vodafone comes in third place. So when it comes to voice, Optus comes second. Data, Optus comes second. 4G coverage, Optus comes second. So that would then tell me that operator two is Optus. Operator three is Vodafone. They just decided to hide it from a separate report. So I'm actually putting two reports together here to to try and give you this understanding. And it actually surprised me. So once we think we now know all of this information, it surprised me. One, uh, I have a feeling that Telstra funded this report and actually told them to exclude the other two names. I think that's what they've done. Um, I haven't got evidence that they have funded the report, but you can kind of dig into this a little bit and see where it's a bit wishy-washy, right? Uh, But what's really impressive is even if that's the case, the improvements that Optus has made are staggering. And I'm very surprised by this, that if their data is neck and neck, with Telstra, huge, huge surprise here. I mean, I think that's a big deal. Knowing that in the cities, 
uh, Telstra have a 5G network, yet the Optus data in the cities did very well, neck and neck. That's that's huge. The, the other interesting thing, though, is just how bad Vodafone is still doing. Uh, we, we don't hear enough about that, and I think we're still uh, almost forgiving Vodafone because they do so well when it comes to global roaming, that $5 a day deal and things like that, but they are definitely a solid third place. Whereas when you look at second and you then consider the price of a plan to sign up to a Telstra or Optus uh, service, we do spend a huge premium to have a Telstra network service. So you have to start to wonder, hang on, based on where I live, based on where I'm going and what I do, do I really care about those extra couple of points which I'm only missing out on? And I, I'm very staggered by this. I know I'm going to be referring to this report more and more, whether it's on the radio or through podcasts and questions that I do receive. I, I just think we need to take a step back and maybe reassess and maybe give other networks a go again. I'm a Telstra customer. Um, I've had Telstra for a very long time because the main reason, if my call drops out when I'm on the phone with somebody, if I'm with Telstra, I feel like I've already got a defense. I feel like I can always say, hang on, who are you with? And if they say they're with Optus, then you go, well, it must have been you that dropped out because you're on the poorer network. And now that may not actually be the case as much as it used to be. And, uh, you know, food for thought, guys, you can go and check it out. Telstra's got it on their website. That's where you can find it. Optus and Vodafone haven't mentioned this at all. Uh, But if you do follow me on Twitter, you'll see the screen grabs of the data that I've decided to pull out of this. And honestly, I don't know. I don't know if it's because we're starting to get more concerned around who's funding reports and things like that, because it tends to have a bit of a bias in that case. Yes, I've been watching, um, what's that? vegan show on netflix damn it you know what i'm talking about that performance one um that's starting to get get me into data and thinking about meat and plant-based diets and if you heard the joe rogan podcast as well i'm going off on a tangent but anyway data extremely important extremely important to dig in the data move beyond the press release and find out the details when if i only took for granted what telstra sent me where they were number one in those three categories that's all i would have thought about maybe that's all i would have talked about today but i'd like to go beyond the press release and give you the truth and actually give you some actual insight there and i think it's fascinating my advice if you're thinking of changing carriers, get a prepaid SIM card. Spend two bucks, get a prepaid SIM, and test the Optus one for a week. If you don't like it, who cares? Go back to the Telstra one. It cost you $2. Wasn't a big deal. So that's what I'm going to be recommending to people from now on is actually try it because based on where you live, where you work, and those roads in between, that could be all you actually care about for 90% of your usage. So that's interesting, guys. Check it out. It's, uh, it's all out there. It's publicly available if you want to do the research. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the show tonight. I am going to wrap up here. I'm off to Studio 10 in the morning, followed by a segment with 2GB. Busy, busy, busy day. And obviously my day job in between all of that. So uh, thank you all for listening. I have got some things that I actually took off the show list today, only because I wanted to get into a bit more detail in some areas. We'll talk about those things next week. We're going to be here again. You'll be here again. And uh, honestly, thank you to all the listeners. I noticed a big spike last week. And uh, wherever you're coming from, I'd love to hear from you because it's, it is great to see. It's good to see numbers going up, not down. Uh, and it's also great to continue to receive feedback from you all as well. And for some of you, it's been uh, Christmas gift suggestions. I'm all for it. No problem at all. Uh, keep your questions coming. Happy to help you, whether it's via email, uh, DM me, find me wherever you like. It's Jeff Quattromani. If you can spell it, you can find it. Thanks, guys. We'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.